0: following message is from christian life austin for more information about christian life please visit clcaustin.com thank you for listening come on all over the house you've got your coffee you're awake you're alive and we're here we're here to honor babies today <laughs> it's baby day everybody that's a parent say wow thanks god Thanks, God. Thanks, God. That's it. That's it. Don't just say wow, because when you say wow, I think you just saying that because you have to get up during the night and all that kind of stuff. What a joy to see all of you. If you're a guest here for the first time, we welcome you. This is a wonderful church. It's a beautiful place. A lot of wonderful, wonderful people. I often tell folks when they ask about the church, I said, come, you'll enjoy our music, and then you have to put up with me for about 25 minutes every Sunday. But uh, just, just get over that because you've got to put up with us. But it's a joy to see you, and we're moving forward in our church, our church plans, our church growth, our church building. It's all moving forward, and uh, the city of Austin is still saying not yet, and so as long as they're saying not yet, we're going to smile and just keep asking, is today the day, is today today. tomorrow the day, and one of these days they're going to say this is the day, this is the day. And uh, when it happens, we're going to start groundbreaking, and you're going to be excited. And we're going to see changes around here. What a joy to be a part of a moving, growing, building church. Amen? Uh, yesterday, I was, I was privileged to be a part of something that was very special to me. Before we came here 28, nearly 29 years ago, we went to a, a city in Louisiana that really became just a bypass for us. And it was, a great, it was a great two years and nine months, ten months for us. And I made, a, I made friendships there that are still lasting even to the day. And uh, yesterday I buried one of my dear friends in Fort Worth, Texas, named Tom Brandon, who was a part of that church. And there is, nothing, there is nothing like relationships with God and with God's people. And I would just tell you that what we're doing here is more than just coming and honoring God and hearing the Word, and hearing good singing, what we're doing here is we're building lifelong relationships with people. We're building relationships that even if you've come and gone, and you've gone here and gone there, and you've come back, or you've been here forever, you've been here for a season, for a reason, or you've been here for life, whatever, the bottom line is is that you need to make serious spiritual relationships with people. There's nobody that will be better friends to you than the folks that are sitting around you. And I want you to know that this is a great place to not only know God, to not only find freedom, amen, to not only uh, seek and and understand your purpose and then make a difference, but it's also a place to connect with people of like precious faith that have your back when you're going through struggles in your life. Can you say amen to that? Would you stand all over the house? We're doing a series and we're wrapping it up here today. And for all those that are joining by Facebook and online, we welcome you Our church in Tulsa, we welcome you today. Let's give those folks a great hand that are watching via the Internet today. Thank you. It's an honor to have you today. It really, really is. Um, We've been doing a series here in the month of August that has been fun for me. The first Sunday we talked about God's favorite day. You know what that day is. It's today. God's favorite day is today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today is his favorite day. And we talked about that. This is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad. And then the next Sunday, we talked about, we talked about Lazarus also. We spoke about Lazarus. Not only did they come to see Jesus, but they came to see the miracle that had been, been raised from the dead. And what we need is people that are not just alive, but have been loosed by the presence and the power of God. We need people that are alive and free. Amen. And so I believe that God helped us that Sunday. Then last Sunday we talked about, do I really matter? And we do matter because we understand that God knew us before we was ever born. And God formed us. He made us. And then God redeemed us. And so here we are today. We're still going to make this thing called life because He knew us. He formed us. I mean, He knew us. He made us. He redeemed us. And we're going to make it in life. Amen. What a, what a great God that we serve. And so today, so today, I'm going to teach something that I am, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bringing back a story or two from the past. And you that have been here a long, long time might recognize these stories. Not that I preach things that are unforgettable. Uh, I preach a lot of forgettable stuff. But bottom line, bottom line uh, this, this story, some of these stories may be remembered in, in your heart. But I want to preach today a message called A Name Better Than My Circumstance. A Name Better Than My Circumstance circumstance i want to tell a funny before i before i let you sit down so an argentinian and a texan were arguing over who had the biggest ranch and the texan said you know i got my car the other day and it took me all day to drive across my ranch and the argentinian looked at him and he said i used to have a car like that that's all i got you may be seated that's all i got goma slept in 2002 This Congolese city had bedded down for the night. Half a million people drifted to sleep thinking it was just another ordinary night. One thing it wasn't was ordinary. Goma is east of the Congo Republic, and to its east is war-torn Rwanda. In the south is placid Lake Kivu. And Goma's problem did not come from any of those directions. Her nemesis came from the north, called 12-miles north towered Mount Near in, near in Congo. This mountain is part of a volcanic chain comprised of six extinct and two active volcanoes, and Goma's 12,000-foot-tall neighbor was not of the extinct variety. The warning signs had been there. The animals were acting strange. The water temperature in the lake had risen, and its quality was very, very poor. Yet it had been 25 years since the last eruption, and Goma slept. And in the middle of the night... The volcano shook itself and awakened, and the mountain exploded with a rain of lava and ash. And three molten flows cascaded down its steep sides toward the town below. And a stream of fire, 165 feet wide, roared toward Goma, destroying everything within its path. It overran the town. Everything it touched died. About half the city was destroyed, and the people who could run did so. Some fled to the shores of the lake to catch a barge. Others raced to the foot of Rwanda, forming the teeming tides of human misery. Still others went on to the Congo. One of the refugees was an expectant young mother named Samir. Samir, in the course of fleeing from the volcano, she went into labor and delivered a baby boy along the roadside. The first five days of the infant's life were spent wrapped in a blanket at the shores of Lake Kivu, awaiting a barge. Samir said his health is poor, she told a reporter. He does not breathe properly. The smell of lava seems to have affected him. Nevertheless, Samir rocked her baby and sang a lullaby about the beautiful Congo, which now lay in ruins. Samir named her baby Volcano. Volcano. Forever he will be associated with the circumstances of his birth. And she asked the reporter, what other name could I have given him? Well, I can think of one, a fellow I've wanted to talk about to this church for some time. And you'll find his story in the book of Judges, chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. Let me read it. You'll see it on the screen. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away, said, you're not going to get any inheritance of our family, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. And sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander, so we can fight the Ammonites. Like the boy, the volcano, Jephthah was born in a bad circumstance. But he was given a name, folks, that was better than his circumstance. What is in a name? Most families, the naming of a child is a special occasion Misty, our oldest, was named after cigarettes. My first wife, God rest her soul, she's with the Lord now. She saw a cigarette billboard with the name Misty on it. And she said, that's a gorgeous name. We're going to name our daughter that if we have a daughter. I said, baby, it's cigarettes. She said, they will all be gone. time She's old enough to understand what it's all about. Cassidy, when Patty and I had Cassidy, she was named after hosiery. That's a fact. Patty was in a store. She saw Hose named Cassidy. And I, left, I didn't leave the naming to the third girl, to anybody but myself. Caitlin was named after royalty. Caitlin after Catherine. We progressed from cigarettes to Hose <laughs> to royalty. There used to be a governor in this state named Hog Jim Hogg, named a daughter Ima. And then there was one mother who named her daughter Alpha Omega because she said, this is my first and it's going to be my last. This is all it's going to be. <laughs> and then there was a child named Nevisina. True story because the dad died before the child was born, and the mother said he'd never seen it. <laughs> that. That's why 50,000 people a year go to the courtrooms and annually go to courts to have their names changed because a name can say so much. And when a person's name is too far from the personality, because we always say, Does the name make the person, or does the person make the name? Do they live up to the name or do the the person make the name famous? When a person's name is too far from a person's personality, we usually give that person a nickname. And so, you know, in the Bible, Barnabas' first name was Joseph. But it wasn't the name that the disciples thought fit him. They thought Barnabas, the son of encouragement, was better than Joseph. It's pretty neat, isn't it? And Abram was a pretty good name, but God said, I got one better for you. I'm going to call you Abraham. And Jacob was a supplanter, and he lived by that name until he had a wrestling match at Peniel in Genesis 32. And God said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you Israel because as a prince, you have power with God. It's great to go from a scoundrel (laughs) to a prince, isn't it? There's something powerful about a name. The man that I buried yesterday, his name was Thomas Howard Branson, and his three first names are three last names, either way you want to look at it, they can all be first or last names. And Thomas meant twin, and I said he was the same in church as he was outside of church. He had twin hearts, and his heart was the same wherever he was. The second name, Howard, means high guard or a brave heart, and he was that. He was an armor bearer to a pastor before we even heard the word armor bearer. And his last name, Branson, meant prince. And he lived up to those names. And I think it's important that you name your child right. And I'm going to dedicate some kids today. And some of you might be thinking that if you named your kids something that's not real good, you might ought to change their name right now at this altar today. <laughs> but people search for the right name. Books are bought listing suggested names. Family lineages are researched. Biblical names are often reviewed. and Scripture, names had meaning From the first man, Adam, which means red dirt, to the first first lady, Eve, which means the mother of all living. Biblical names connoted something about the nature of a person or circumstance in which they were born. Isaac's name reflected his mother's laughter, but his name meant laughter. Isaac means to laugh. And Esau's name described his appearance. He was hairy. And Jacob was a a supplanter. And Moses came by his name because he was drawn from water. And there's a man that's the son of Phinehas who was a who was a priest in the Old Testament. When the ark was taken from Israel, they named that baby that was born Ichabod because the glory was departed. Many times in Scripture you can find that parents placed a shortened form of God's name in their child's name, like Elisha or Elijah or Daniel or Isaiah or even, can I say, Jephthah. See, behind each name is a story, and there's a story about the meaning of Jephthah's name. The bio is similar to Naaman's. The Bible said Naaman was a mighty captain of the army of the Syrians. A- Naaman was a powerful man, a mighty man, a great man. But the last line said, but he was a leper. There's a taboo. There's something about a taboo about leprosy in the Old Testament. It turned princes into pariahs and kings into curs and it turned emperors into exiles. And so it was with Jephthah. Jephthah had something on his name also. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead but his mother was a prostitute. And that was another taboo in the Bible days. It was the world's oldest profession. It came from the world's ancient curse. And the child of a harlot was despised in those days. And some say that Jephthah's mother perhaps wasn't truly a harlot, merely a concubine of his father, Gilead. And as a concubine, she would have a wife privileges in some sense, yet her children would be denied inheritance. Others say his mother was an Ishmaelite. Still others say she was a Gentile. The Bible says... She was a harlot. Jephthah was the son of a harlot. That's the circumstances of his birth. Yet he was not named son of a harlot. He got a name better than his circumstance. Maybe he had to live with the circumstances of his birth But he didn't have to be named accordingly. Someone gave Jephthah a valuable gift at his birth. He was given a name that was greater and better than any circumstance. Regardless of the conditions of his birth, each and every time his name was called, it was a divine memo to him. For Jephthah means God will set me free. Somebody needs to clap your hands of that. So can I just say right now, I don't care how low you started in life, there is power in the name. There's power in a name. And Jephthah might have been the son of a prostitute and a harlot. But every time he heard somebody say, hey, Jephthah, he heard somebody say, God will set you free, son. And I believe with everything that's in me. Every Sunday that I walk into this pulpit, I bring a name that's better than any name that you'll ever hear in your life. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what your circumstance is in your life, I know a name greater than your circumstance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All too often we let circumstances rule us. No one's expected, no one expected much from this son of a harlot since he was illegitimate. He couldn't go into God's house, neither could his kids, his grandchildren, nor any to the 10th generation according to Deuteronomy 23 and 2. I can almost hear someone say, I don't see much coming out of that boy. See, sight is not objective. It really isn't. We usually see what we expect to see. That's why I love the scripture, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And we have eyes in this house that ought to see great things in people. My dad told me when I first started preaching the gospel, he said, son, your goal is not to show people the downside of their life. Your goal is to show people the good side of their life. He said if they're 95% good, they've got 5% bad. And if they're 5% good and 95% bad, you've got to find the good in that 5%. I believe with everything that's in me that we ought to see the good in everybody. And everybody that walked in this house today is a child of God. You were created by God. You were made by Him. You were formed by Him. And you matter to Him. Amen. Amen. If a prophet is without honor in his own country, how about the son of a harlot? Jephthah probably thought, they think I'm terrible, so I might as well be terrible. We've all seen that with our kids, perhaps. You teachers that are teaching in school, paint a child with criticism and he grows up critical. Paint a child with stiff bristles of rejection and he or she seeks rejection rather than love. Call a child something long enough and he or she will live either up to or down to to reach that name. Why? Because we can't let circumstances rule us. My dad never used the word I-D-I-O-T in our house. He never used the word S-T-U-P-I-D in our house. He never used the word F-O-O-L in our house because he said, you're my kid and I don't produce that. And I want to tell you something. Everybody in this house is something special in the sight of God. Can you clap your hands, amen, and say that? And if you can't spell those words, somebody will help you with them. I love it. I love it. I love it. You see, we let circumstances rule us. We forget who we are and whose we are. But I will tell you this, God can deliver us from unfavorable circumstances. Do you believe that? Can I tell you something? God delights in taking little and making much out of it. Someone whispered words of faith over a despised son of a harlot and said, God will set you free. That's what he said. Contrast. Jephthah's name with those given to the daughter and the son of another harlot in scripture named Gomer from the book of Hosea. Her daughter's name was Lo ruhamah and her son was named Lo-Ami. Lo is prefix meaning without, and with those two kids bore the name without a people and without compassion. Sometimes we let circumstances rule us. But through faith in God, we can triumph over those circumstances. Jesus was born of Mary, and there were whispers about her having the same situation that Jephthah's mother had. Perhaps they thought that Jesus came out of wedlock. But in spite of the fact that pe- what people thought and what really happened, she named her child Jesus, for he would save his people from their sin. Let me tell you something, Mom and Dad. God has given you a gift called children, a life hope in your life right now. And you ought to bless that child every day that you live. Praise them every day they live. Praise them every time they walk in the door. Brag on them every time you see them. Because they're God's blessing to your home. Somebody help me preach right now. I feel like telling that to parents today. I want to refer you to a story that's hidden in the Bible. This is a hidden text in the Bible. Found in second Samuel, I'm not going to put it on the screen. Second Samuel chapter five, verses 13 to 16. David had just been anointed king for the third time. He was anointed at Samuel's house I mean, at Jesse's house, by Samuel. He was anointed to be king of Judah at Hebron. and then in Second Samuel chapter five, he was anointed the third time to be king of all Israel. David was anointed three times. But after that anointing there was, a, there was a break and David went back to Jerusalem to live and there was a break because in chapter 6 of Second Samuel David goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And there's a, there's a different time frame in his anointing and the presence, his anointing and the presence. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of us are carrying the anointing of God but we don't feel the presence of God that we want in our life. The ark is gone. We have the anointing, but the ark is gone. And that's a tough place to live. And David was living in that space of time in his life with anointing, but presence gone for 40 years. And David desired the presence of God. Anybody here desire the presence of God? Oh, let, will you let me preach a little bit right now? And so David has three what we call unknown sons in 2 Samuel 5, verse 16. You can go home, you can read about them. Their names was Elishama, Eliada, and Elephalet. Sound like I'm talking Latin or something right now? Everybody say Elishama, Eliada, <laughs> Elephalet. Elishema. Now we know Solomon. We know he's the wise son. We know Abinadab who tried and would be wanted to be king. We know Ammon who had lust in his heart. And we know Absalom who, who murdered Amnon and became the treacherous son that took the, the, the people of Israel away from David. We know those boys. But these three boys are what we know as David's unknown sons. And so in a time when David needed something in his life, God gave him three sons. And the first was named Elishama. You know what Elishama means? God hears. God hears. Can you imagine David walking around with that little fella when he's a little boy and say, Son, you may not be as wise as Solomon and as handsome as Absalom, but I want you to hang on to me right here. Because every time I see you, I understand that God hears. Can I declare to this congregation today, can I preach something to you right now? It doesn't matter what valley you're in when you pray. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is when you cry out to God. There is no prayer that's ever offered from your mouth and your heart that God does not hear. He hears our prayer. Somebody ought to rejoice in that. He hears our prayer. He hears our supplication. His arm is not short that it cannot save, and His ear is not heavy that He cannot hear. Everybody say, He hears me. Isn't it a great thing to know that wherever you are, whatever you're in, whatever situation you're in, God hears us. He he hears where we are talking from. I have been in some valleys in my life. You've been in some dark places in your life. And you've looked up and said, God, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the brass ceiling. And God said, I'm underneath that brass ceiling. I'm hearing your prayers. There is not a prayer ever offered. Oh, I want to preach it right now. Somebody needs this right now. Because you've been praying prayers and not receiving answers. You just keep praying. Daniel prayed one time and 21 days later an angel came to him and said, I heard you the first day you prayed. But it took me 21 days to get here because the prince of Persia withheld me. But I'm here now to give you your your salutation and to give you hope. You hear me. It may take a while, but keep praying. God hears your prayer when you make it. The second son was named Eliada. Everybody say Eliada. You know what that name means? God knows. Not only does he, does he hear, he knows. So David carried that young one around. He walked with him and he said, You know, where's your brother? God hears. Where's he at? Well, he's over there eating, Daddy. Well, God knows. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't it awesome to have somebody walking behind you and every time you turn around, they say, God knows. He knows where you're at. He knows you're upsetting. He knows your downfalls. He knows where you are. I've had people walk up to me today and say, Pastor, pray. My business is not good. And said, it's, it's hard on the job. God knows. God knows. He knows things before you ever ask Him. He knows your inner workings. He knows what you are about. He knows. You don't have to tell Him. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows all. Hallelujah. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all power. He knows everything. He is a God that is all in all and 3,700,000 feet tall. And however much taller you want to make it. My brother and I used to do this, and I didn't even put this in my notes. My brother and I used to do this. We used to say things like, I love the Lord. Well, I love the Lord too. Well, I love you more than you. No, you don't. I do. Yes, I do. Yes, no, I don't. Then we'd say 10,000 times I love you. He said 10,001. He had always won up me. And I said, okay, I'm on, the Lord, I'm on the top of the Lord's head right now loving him. He said, I'm sitting on your head loving him. That's crazy stuff that kids do. I just thought about that. Isn't that amazing? I'm 68. I just thought about that. But isn't it amazing to know no matter who you are or where you come from, not only does God hear you when you pray, he knows your situation before you ever ask him. He knows your down setting. He knows the time that you're struggling. And he'll say, I will take care of that. And the third kid's name was Elephalette. So I I think David had these three little old boys just hanging around him in between his anointing and when the glory came. I believe David had these little boys. The third little boy's name, Elephalette, means, you ready for this? God delivers. I don't need to say anything else on that one. Everybody say, He hears me. He He knows. knows. And he He delivers. He knows how to unlock the key in Acts 12. He knows how to unlock the door and bring you out of prison, Peter. He knows how to do that. He knows how to bring the Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. He knows how to bring Daniel out of a lion's den. And He knows how to deliver you from your situation in your life. I'm here to tell you on this last Sunday of an august month of a spectacular, splendid, magnificent month that there is a God that hears you when you pray. He knows what you have need of, and He will deliver you from your situation because that's the kind of God that we serve. Come on, clap your hands. He'll deliver you. He will set you free. And when God delivers, He delivers you to a good place a good place he set you free to a good place I'm not far from finishing because I got to pray for some babies the Bible said that Jephthah dwelt in the land of Tob Tob means everybody say a good land a good land land. land. wow God brings you out of what you're in to bring you to a good land later we find him being anointed the ninth judge of Israel We see him unschooled in the ways of God. And he did make a vow one day that was ridiculous. He did make a vow. He said, if you'll just help me with my battle and help me win this war, the first thing I see coming to me from the battle, I will sacrifice to you. And it was his daughter, his only daughter. And he took her to the mountain and and, and let her have some time with, with her maids and with the people that she loved. And I don't know what happened because the Bible is not clear. I think she probably was given to God for the rest of her life. And not allowed to marry. I don't think it was death. I don't think it was human death. But I do believe that he made a vow because he was unschooled in the things of God. But here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter how much you know about Scripture or how much you don't know about Scripture. That doesn't matter. What matters is the matter of the heart. If you believe that God hears you, if you believe that God knows you, if you believe that God will deliver you, you just say, God, I may not know everything that I need to know, but my preacher told me on Sunday that when I pray, you hear me. And when I pray, you know me. And when I pray, you're going to deliver me. And I'm going to receive that in my heart and in my life until I get to know better. I'm just going to receive those three words in my life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. God delivers you from where you are to a better place. We're truly delivered from something. We're not truly delivered until we're delivered to something better. Paul said in Colossians 1 and 12 and 13, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Everybody say, no more darkness. And hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. See, freedom is not leaving darkness. Freedom is stepping into the light. Freedom is not when we leave something behind, but when we find something better. Freedom is not when we say, I will stop this, but when we say, I will start this. Freedom is the law of forward motion. As long as Israel went forward with the fiery torch at night and the cloud by day, she was cleansed. There is a righteousness of faith. It's the holiness of moving towards God. We must continue to move toward Him. Her deliverance, Israel's deliverance from Egypt was twofold. When she walked out of bondage and when she stepped into the fulfillment of a promise. You hear me. God not only delivers you from something... He delivers you from it to deliver you to something. He does not deliver people just to prove He can. God has no wasted motion. He works everything according to His plan. He lifts you from the miry clay so He can put your rock to stay on the foundation that He established for you. You believe that. You believe that. You believe that. So Jephthah said, God will set me free. A name better. Name your family Jephthah. We're the Jephthah family. God's going to set us free. That's a pretty good name. Somebody say, what's that name, Jephthah? Oh, you ought to have heard my pastor preach about that on Sunday. Our name is Jephthah. We're the Jephthah family. Really, our name is Johnson. We're the Johnson-Jephthah family. (laughs) Hallelujah. Go ahead and adopt a name in your life. Adopt it. Say, we are spiritually Jephthah people because God is going to set our kids free and set our family free. And God's going to give us a victory. If the band will come and the musicians will come, singers will come, we're going to close this out. So God uses people that have been set free to set others free. Who named Jephthah? I don't know. Not sure. Doesn't matter. Someone gave him a good name. A name that freed him from his circumstance. God uses people that have been set free to set others free you believe that? Nobody can talk to an ex-drug addict or to a drug addict like an ex-drug addict. Nobody can talk to a person that's battling alcoholism like an ex-alcoholic. Nobody can talk to somebody coming out of all kinds of immorality and promiscuousness and sin and avarice like somebody who has been there. So God uses people who have been set free to lead people to freedom. Amen? Amen. I believe, folks, that every Sunday in this church, I'm a hope seed planter. (laughs) I plant hope seed. This church is a hope seed planter. We sow hope seed over dismal swamps and pray for God to give us a harvest. Because hope produces. Can I just tell you, I'm a peddler of hope. I believe that God can do anything. Let me just stop and say it again. I believe God can do anything. Let me say it again. I believe God can do anything. Is there anything too hard for God? A 100-year-old man a 90-year-old woman made a baby. And they laughed all the way to the maternity ward. God is awesome.